Hi, Eric Bailey with the Tulsa World, joined by Eli Letterman in our weekly Oklahoma sports podcast. Uh, interesting week, to say the least. Uh, last Friday, when we uh, last spoke to you, it was like, let's get ready for fall camp, uh, ready for everything to hit the ground running. And then Sunday morning, or Sunday night, excuse me, 1045, we get news that Kale Gundy has resigned as wide receivers coach, which was a shock. Uh, Eli, welcome to the beat. <laughs> Man, that was an introduction. I was getting ready. We were we wound up in Norman for practice on Monday morning, but I was just getting ready for bed, getting ready to to kind of have that first real camp week. Uh, and then that that truly was my introduction now to, to, to the OUB. It was really interesting. Uh, Sunday night, 1045, I was in my home office and really getting ready to go to bed. And I just happened to have Twitter up and saw Kel Gundy's original statement and uh you know, 1045 to get something like that. I had to read it twice to really figure out, is this really happening? And, and then, of course, we hit the ground running and it really started 24 hours of just phone calls, text messages, monitoring Twitter and trying to figure out what was going on. It was really interesting. We were supposed to have availability on Monday. And I think the telltale sign that something was going on in hindsight it's, it's 2020, of course. Uh, Eli, we were talking about, we never got an email from Oklahoma saying, okay, this is when we're going to meet. This is the schedule. We didn't get anything from Oklahoma until around 10 o'clock saying that only uh, that it was uh, going to be, you know, not, we weren't going to have anything. Uh, and it was just video only. So uh, just your thoughts. So when, what did you find out? And what did you think that, that instant reaction from you? Well, Eric, I was finishing up a movie when I got the phone call from you as I was reading the statements. That's exactly how I found out Sunday night, um, which is closing out a nice, calm Sunday night and capping it off with that. But as you said, it kind of kicked off a really interesting 24 hours because not long after Kale Gundy's statement came the first of two statements from Brent Venables, um, kind of acknowledging the situation. And as you said, then we, we showed up to practice the next day and it was kind of an odd feel because that had been hanging over the program all weekend. We know now that they had a, a three-hour team meeting on Saturday uh, after the incident late last week uh, that delayed practice. And then we all show up on, on Monday morning, there, and there was, a, as expected, a strong media contingent. Um, but we show up there to watch practice, and things kind of feel normal, but there's an elephant. Uh, I mean, it's not quite a room. It's those two big practice fields in Norman. But there's an elephant. There's something hanging over it. Um, and we didn't get the opportunity that day to speak with Brent Venables or players. And then we get home uh, a few hours later and Brent Venables releases that second statement, which seemingly certainly adds context to, to the situation and asserts that, you know, it was not just one instance that, that Kale Gundy used. Uh, Brent Venables called it a racially charged word. We still don't for sure know the word, but used the word he used multiple times and, and cleared up the situation. Uh, and seemingly felt like he had to clear up more of the situation that that whatever came out Sunday night, both from Kale Gundy and, and from the program, hadn't been sufficient. And so that was kind of that latest development that really, I think, changed maybe the discussion around it and, and the way some folks were feeling. So it was it was a pretty crazy 24 hours to start the week. And, and that was all before we got Brett Venables Wednesday afternoon. It was really interesting, too, because we started seeing people take sides, not only fans, but former players. Uh, you know, why was he fired? He apologized. Uh, could he be suspended instead? There was just so much going on. And I think Brent Venable's statement really kind of solidified why this reason was made, both the resignation 
and how disappointed Brent Venables was in the situation. And then on Tuesday, Bob Stoops goes on a radio inter radio interview with um, Teddy Lehman in, in 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 Oklahoma City, and you know he really. I think anything that happens, Bob Stoops is really a calming influence for everything. He still has so much power uh, among that Oklahoma football program. So when when Bob spoke and his, his you know, I think the reason he went on is he, he really is hopeful that everyone can move on from this, uh, understand that something bad happened, learn from it. There are consequences, but more importantly, in Bob's eyes, it's time to move on. And I thought it was interesting that he did do that Tuesday radio interview, and that was Basically, his his tone is is move on. So uh, I know that that kind of maybe settled some things down. Uh, and and when Bob came on, we knew that we were going to get an opportunity to talk to Brent on Wednesday. And I, I I just get a feel that Bob coming out and speaking really not only tried to settle down Sooner Nation, it was really trying to help Brent, who is going through his very first crisis, if you will, as a as a head coach. And I, I think. Bob's doing whatever he can to help Brent because there's a lot going on in Brent's corner as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a funny kind of maybe an allegory to, to December where Bob Stoops, again, is kind of that pacifying force. He stepped in after Lincoln Riley left and and somehow, even in the wake of all that in December, all felt okay with Bob Stoops there. And on Tuesday, him going on the radio, I think he did Brent, um, you know, something of a favor there of just getting out there and using his voice. And, and he knows what his voice carries. We know what Bob Stoops' voice carries in in offering, not uh, not picking a side. I mean, as you, that's where you said, you know, people pick sides. He didn't come out there and take one side or the other. It was it was that up the middle voice of, of you know, this this happened. Maybe it had to happen, but now let's move on and, and kind of keep going with the program. And that leads into then Wednesday where, where Brent Venables, um, you know, they, they open practice again and Brent Venables, they moved around a few times, but is set to speak at five o'clock. And I can say that the feeling around that afternoon was very different than Monday because there was that anticipation. And, and you know, if you, you take the bird's eye view on this, it's been a really smooth eight and a half months for Brent Venables. I, I don't think, aside from perhaps, you know, the day Caleb Williams left and some of those guys left, there, there hasn't been a negative headline. Um, around this program since he showed up. And so this was that first speed bump. And it was going to be interesting not only to hear how he spoke about it, but how does he interact with, with reporters who are prodding him? How does he approach that? And so it really felt like this was going to be maybe outside of his introductory press conference, the most important of his tenure so far. Uh, and he got up there and, you know, certainly set a tone at the start by saying, I, I think everything that's been said about the situation has been said um, and, and kind of closing off portions of this but but he certainly laid out the decision and, and kind of what went into this and and what had unfolded over the weekend what was interesting is something he brought up that he talked about a lot in the spring was murphy's law you know if something can go wrong it will go wrong and he knew that there would be something he had no idea back in the spring what would happen but he knew he had to be prepared he's been around this coaching profession for a long time and he's been mentored by three hall of fame coaches and bill snyder uh, Bob Stoops and Dabo Sweeney. I, I really think that he learned a lot from them. I think that helped him. And you see his experience come out 
with handling this situation. He went out there and he took it head on. And, you know, we don't know. One question I'd be interested to ask is, you know, did, did he confer with Bob Stoops during this week? Uh, Bob, of course, was always there for Lincoln Riley, who also was a first-time head coach for anything that came up. And uh, Bob and uh, Brent, they go way back. I mean, was it something that he conferred with Bob about, okay, what's the best way to handle this this crisis? And that's the good news for Brent. He has Bob Stoops and he even has Dabble Sweeney on on speed dial if he has any questions too. So I think that, you know, going into this, we wondered how Brent was going to handle situations like this. I think he handled it pretty well or as well as could be uh, expected. And, and the tough thing for him too is him and Kel Gundy do go back. I mean, they were part of that first Oklahoma coaching staff in 1999. Uh, I, I just think that what Brent did and the way Brent handled it uh, was well. I wish he did handle a few more questions about Kel and the situation. I think all reporters did kind of do that, but he did cut that off right at the beginning in his opening statement saying all that needed to be said about the situation had been said. And, and it goes back to what Coach Stoops was saying, you know, just wanting to move on. And uh, speaking of moving on, you had a really good feature on Damian Washington, uh, the interim wide receivers coach. Can you kind of talk a little bit about uh, you know, a little bit about him and what Gary Pinkle said about him as well. Yeah, well, that was there. The front end of, of Brent Venables' uh, press conference centered on Kale, but uh, there was a lot, obviously, of discussion then about LaDamian Washington, who went from offensive anal analyst on Saturday to interim wide receivers coach Sunday night. Um, and now he's the guy in that room. And, you know, he's He's had an interesting path. He, he played at Missouri in the early 2010s as part of one of those SEC title teams right after the Tigers left the Big 12 um, and was a captain for, for the Tigers in 2013. Had a kind of a journeyman that even that feels generous on, on the on the pro career. He, he made a lot of practice squads, moved around a lot was in the Canadian Football League, the XFL, um, and then kind of got into this coaching sphere. And that's where it sort of picked up when I spoke to Gary Pinkle, his former coach at Missouri this week, was that when football playing it kind of ended for the Damian Washington. They met and Gary Pinkle said, so like, what's next? What are you going to do with your life? And the Damian Washington told him coaching. And subsequently he, he spent a year in player development at his alma mater. Uh, he spent the last season uh, at Southern University coaching receivers. And, uh, and then in January, when it was time for Brent Venables to pull together a staff, uh, as he told us the other day, he got recommendations from, from Joe John Finley, who was a Missouri guy and, and from Jeff Levy for this guy named LaDamian Washington. And when they met, it, it instantly clicked. And so um, LaDamian Washington came. And, and by all accounts, even before this week, he has had an impact since he's shown up. He's been big in the recruiting game. The guys have liked him. Uh, as Brent Venables said, when he told his receivers group that, that LaDamian Washington would be taking over, it was met pretty well. And so certainly a big job for a 31-year-old who's who's certainly in the biggest role he's had yet. Um, but it, it is... Uh, this is the guy now. Brent Venables made clear that there's not likely to be a change in the next three weeks and that they're going to ride into the season with this. He's got Matt Wells, the former tech coach, and Nick Basquin in there to help him. But uh, this is the Damian Washington's job now. And I guess in some sense, you know, this will be a sought after job after the season, but it's probably the Damian Washington's to lose. If this goes well, that th this could be his. Um, and I guess just returning to, to the first part with Brent, with, with how he handled kind of the Kale Gundy end, you know, there were questions that didn't get answered the other day about, you know, the need for a second statement and and things like that. But to your point, it, it kind of did get to that. Let, let's move on and look forward. And I think in, in some ways, in fairness to Damian Washington, his his job now being, you know, painted in any way um, 
with kind of how he got it isn't isn't all that fair to him. And so that's that's part of this as well as is them looking to to move forward and, and look toward this season. When you look at LaDamian Washington, uh, you're looking at a new coach who has probably the biggest position group on that roster. Him and Bill Biedenboe have the most yeah. players. And, and you to go from an offensive analyst to, you know, here's 12, 15 guys that you have to work with on a daily basis. It's a big jump. And also on that coaching staff, when you think about it, on both sides of the football, you have first-time uh, assistant coaches with Miguel Chavis on the defensive side, coaching the defensive end. So you have some real youth on that coaching staff. Uh, the good side, the pro would be that they probably relate to those players really, really well. They're, they're really close in age and they played the game and they they played the position. I think that's big. That's something that, you know, Brent did mention about LaDamian that he's played the position. He's been a wide receiver. Uh, so that's huge. And, and then they, like you mentioned, Matt Wells, they have mentors. I mean, Miguel Chavis has been around Todd Bates, been around Brent Venables. They're, they've been strong mentors to him. And I think Matt Wells, uh, the former tech coach can be the same kind of mentor to uh, LaDamian Washington as well. So I think that that's huge. So it'll really be interesting to see how this kind of evolves going into going in through August and into the season. Um, now, going into the season, uh, you know, and something lost in this was you got to talk to UTEP's head coach, too, and talk a little UTEP. And, you know, this that came out right when all, you know, right before this happened. So we really haven't yeah. had a chance to talk about that. But uh, UTEP is a, a, a an opponent that Oklahoma is kind of familiar with over the years. They uh, they played them a few years. So uh, what did what, you learn from the uh, Conference USA coach? Well, I hopped on the phone with Dana Dimmel, and when I did, it was uh, I talked to him a few weeks ago, and the story ran last week. But I was speaking to him in late July, and they were already in their first week at camp. And that's because UTEP, before they come to Norman in week one, they've got a week zero game against North Texas. And so they've really got quite a start to the year of playing a conference rival and a successful conference rival in week zero on August 27th, all that before they come and play what will almost certainly be a top 10 program headed into the season. And so it was an interesting conversation. Another thing with Dana Dimmel, you know, where he coached in the 1990s was Kansas State. And he was on that staff when Brent Venables came in as a player, when he was a grad assistant. Uh, and then ultimately, I think they spent one year together on the as, as both full-time staffers. And so, you know, you heard a lot of the same things about Brent, the same intensity he has as a coach, he had as a player and all that. Um, but learning about UTEP was was fascinating because they're coming off of their first winning season in something like five, six years. Uh, and and I asked, you know, Dana this, I said, how has your job changed now? Is the pressure different? And he, in a town like El Paso, uh, maybe not a town, a city like El Paso, where they're, as he put it, the only show in town, it does change things. He's got people at the grocery store pulling him aside um, and, and, you know, telling him that there's expectations now. And so it's a, it's a UTEP program that, um, you know, I don't know that a, people in Norman are going to have a lot of expectations for. I'm, I'm pulling up the quote right now. I asked Dana this. I said, what will you fans be expecting when they see the Miners? He said, well, they're not going to be expecting much. Um, but all that said, they, they return a lot of talent from last season's team, which was one of their best teams in the last decade. Um, and, and there's experience there. They've got a, a very legit pass rush. And so that might be an early, at least a week one, test for us to see what that O-line looks like, what Dylan Gabriel looks like under some some pressure. But maybe most interesting from it all is that this is part of a UTEP plan to play big schools and raise their profile in the next, I guess, the rest of this decade. They've got uh, basically alternating years set up to play Texas and Oklahoma. Um, right now, they're on OU schedule officially for 2026, but 
Dana Demlin's expecting them that to be the same in 28 and 30 as well. Uh, and on those odd years, they'll play Texas. So this is uh, this that this game week one um, is a it's we all know the moment it'll be for OU. It's the first Brent Venables first game start of a new era for UTEP. They they see themselves also kind of on something of an ascent uh, and playing these games against Oklahoma and Texas, regardless of the results, is as a way of, of raising the profile. You know, you, you got a chance to write about UTEP. I wrote about cornerbacks today. And I tell you, the most exciting, entertaining uh, interview we had during Team Media Day was Jay Valai. I mean, it's just his passion. And I wrote this. I said, if you you think he was passionate and energetic in a, in a controlled indoor media room setting, I can only imagine what he's like in the heat of battle or on the practice field. I mean, he he's intense. He's funny. Uh, but also, he, he really gets his point across. And I had a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, you know, it, it, not often do you see a, a football coach mention Bob Ross, but but that's what he did. He said he wants his cornerbacks to um, paint a picture, paint a new picture, paint something and and, and do it good. And, and, and it was really interesting uh, because the main person he was talking about when he's talking about Bob Ross was DJ Graham. And he said he, he's telling DJ Graham, you, you need to paint a new picture about your career, your time here at Oklahoma. You can't be known as the one catch guy. You know, he had the one-handed catch against Nebraska, interception last year against Nebraska, that T-shirts were made and many stories were written. But that doesn't need to be his legacy at Oklahoma. That's what Jay Valai told uh, DJ Graham. So it'll be interesting to see how these quarterbacks evolve with them. I know they're big on Woody Washington, but it was fun just talking to him because he really went down the line, basically, talking about C.J. Colden and talking about how he's learning and he didn't, he has something to prove and he likes that C.J. has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he talked a little bit about Josh Eaton, who, who's looking for more playing time. Uh, just how Josh has accepted that blue-collar mentality. Josh was almost like, it, it sounded like he was almost like a happy-go-lucky kid when he got to campus and just, you know, wanted to play football. But now he's got that hard work edge, and, and I think that's big. And and Jaden Davis, uh, another one, a senior, you know, he wants Jaden to go out there and be assertive and go out there and play. And, and Kenai Walker, uh, the Louisville transfer, who hasn't just played limited, I think he had four games experience at Louisville. Uh, I think that's someone else to keep an eye on, and Jay talked about him. And finally, it was interesting because he talked about the two Tulsa guys, you know, being the Tulsa world, we know these guys pretty well. Uh, Gentry Williams from Booker T and Jaden Rowe from Union. I think he's really high on those guys. Now, they're true freshmen. Will, will they get a lot of playing time? I don't know. But he's really big on both of those players and what their their potential is. So really interesting discussion in, uh, with uh, Coach Valai about a position group that's really been under the microscope over the past decade, really. I think everyone really hopes if you're an Oklahoma fan for improvement at that spot. And uh, it was it was a fun talk with him then. Now, did he get a mention of Dave Chappelle in as well when you guys spoke? <laughs> he had some Dave Chappelle talk, too. I mean, it, not often do you talk Bob Ross and Dave Chappelle in the same interview. But, yeah, Jay Valai, he's one of those guys, you know, we I'd love to talk to him once a week just, just for the entertainment factor. Uh, Maybe so we get him I, on here someday. Yeah, I know. I know get I'd love pod. to get him on here. So, <laughs> um, so but, well, so, Eric, I mean, what's what's next now? We've just had this pretty – unusual week in Norman I think next week we'll get back to normal to normal kind of camp schedule and 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 seeing this this team like we're supposed to in the month of August yeah it, it's been really strange because you know by then by now we've usually talked to the players a few times and we haven't talked to them since they had their first practice uh a, a fall camp and I think next week we'll get an opportunity to talk to some players 
you know, it, it'll be good to see where they're at after, you know, eight practices. They'll be in, they'll have been in pads. I think that'll be big, but it's just weird because next week uh, it will be like a fall camp week. And really the end of fall camp comes in a couple of weeks and school starts uh, the following week. So and there's just no routine has been made yet. I think it'd be interesting just for them as players and us as media to just to get into that routine. Uh, and this is the grind. We're going to start next week's really the grind week because you're two weeks into camp and you're two weeks away from your first game, uh, the midpoint, and you've really got to fight that grind. So I think next week we'll be talking to players that are uh, right in the middle of everything. So I I'm kind of anxious for that. Well, you mentioned the, the grind and in the really only in the later stages of, of Brent Venables' session the other day to we get to football because it really wasn't a football press conference. But he spoke, and next week they're headed to the rugby fields. And he talked about how it's just a little bit hotter there. The, the ground hurts a little bit more. Um, getting there isn't easy. Getting back isn't easy. All that. So I, I think that's definitely where the Sooners are headed. But while we didn't speak to players and really only spoke to Brent Venables once this past week, we did get to see some of practice. And, and I mean, there wasn't there's only so much to take away at times. But, um, you know, some of the things I did see was, you know, Davis Bevel, one of the two uh, new quarterbacks, tall, like exceptionally tall. Uh, there's height there. I, if, if they were deciding the backup quarterback competition just on height, he'd have general boot, general booty beat, no doubt. Um, but but they've watching both him and general booty throw. And those are two guys who are just kind of integrating themselves because they weren't here in the spring. Um, so interesting watching them. Um, Gavin Sawchuk is a guy at running back who we didn't see in the spring. He's a freshman. He looks physically like he could, you know, he and Javante Barnes, I would guess one of them is going to get opportunities at least in September and he looks good. And uh, you know, we've talked all about Jerry Schmidt and the transformations of some of these guys. I don't know that there's a better example than Billy Bowman who just looks bigger, faster, stronger, all those things. Uh, and we've gotten to see some of the physical portions of camp and, and it's been uh, physical. They've been running these drills over on the second field um, where you've got essentially someone, the ball gets handed off and there's three levels of, of blocking. You've got offense and defense on each side. And that's where we've seen uh, some of the biggest hits, some minor little skirmishes. So, so there's definitely an intensity about camp, even early on and, and all that is before they got, they, they get to, uh, to the rugby fields. Jalen Redmond, too. He's one, uh, I guess yeah. he's sitting out right now with a mild concussion. Uh, he's one of those players that just really, injuries have really derailed his career and uh I think everyone's looking forward to seeing a, a full season with him and uh it's always good to be cautious at this time it sounds like that so I think that was the biggest news we came in terms of personnel uh was there anything else that stood out personnel wise or anything else news wise I know you had a notebook in yesterday's paper can you talk a little about that yeah, no, no. I mean the, the biggest news on kind of the injury front would be Jalen Redmond and I can say this I mean the timing is is good. I, I, I'm going to be writing about him. It'll be in tomorrow's paper Saturday because I had a really good conversation with him uh, at Media Day on August 2nd, just about where he's at and really where he's been the last couple of years. Not really feeling, he hasn't felt like himself since 2019, he says. And that was the year he led the Sooners in sacks. And the last two years have been tough, but he feels like he's coming back ready to make an impact. But, you know, that the notebook in some ways harped on, on the Damian Washington and, and his path here. Um, another element of it that was, you know, a good question. I'll credit Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman who asked Brent, you know, you've had an, you could have been head coach a long time ago. Has this week kind of shown you what this is all about? 
and about making tough decisions. And I think maybe the finishing note on, on this Kale Gundy thing this week is that what would Brent Venables made clear, he might not have answered a lot of questions on the details and, and some things that we wanted to know about, but what he made really clear was this was not a, a knee jerk reaction and that it was a very considered move in terms of the standard that they've set over the last eight months. And, and he talked about short-term and long-term decisions for the health of the program, but this certainly was not a case of, you know, an incident happens and the mob comes for, for somebody and, and that's that. And, and 25 years of, of coaching are erased. What Brent Venable certainly made clear was that this was difficult. This was, uh, you know, one of those tough coaching decisions, like you said, that he's seen Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops, and Davos Swinney all have to make it at times, um, but that it was not a uh, an immediate decision uh, and, and that it was one that was made with the program in mind. I think that was that was part of that notebook. and. Um, certainly that was probably what stuck out most from the press conference. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap things up today. Uh, it, just a wild week. And, you know, we met last Friday and never did we know we were going to have this kind of week. So I, I think uh, once we get into a routine, we talked about this, both the fans, the players, the media, I think uh, that's big. And this is, I guess we're seeing some of the grind of fall camp ourselves as well. So Indeed. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, keep everything. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, all your platforms for podcasts. We'll try to do this once a week and try to keep informed through fall camp. For Eli Letterman, I'm Eric Bailey. Continue to check our, our work on TulsaWorld.com.